Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Robo Hair. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which I play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hare, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, I will be discussing Top Gun. How many different versions of Top Gun were released for retro systems? You'll find out the answer to that question on this episode. But before we get started talking about this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy Headlines. I got so much feedback about the last episode, which was Maniac Mansion. That was a really fun episode. It was a lot of work to put together, but I think a lot of people played Maniac Mansion back in the day and have memories of playing it, so a lot of people connect with that game, and even people who didn't play the game or didn't purchase the game still can, for some reason, relate to that game. It is a very iconic game. It is the beginning, as we talked about on the episode, of the point-and-click adventures. And so people that don't have memories of playing the game still have memories of the game existing. And so when you play a game that is such a part of the iconic video game landscape, you get a lot of feedback. So I appreciate all the messages. I got one fun message from Lobsterminator from uh, the Amigos Discord channel who said he's pretty sure he had Might and Magic on his Commodore 64, but Zach McCracken was the first Lucas game he really played. He even had it legit, so he had all the cool stuff like the newspapers that came with it. He says at that time he was a young kid and his English skills were primitive, so the Lucas point-and-click system made it a lot easier to just try things compared to text parser games. That's a really interesting perspective on those types of games. That's something that I hadn't thought about, but if English was not your first language, playing traditional text adventures would have been very difficult, and especially in any type of game that used puns or wordplay, it might have been impossible to solve certain puzzles. So I thought this was a really interesting uh, perspective to share. He also says, although he was grateful for Sierra games, because they improved his English when he was a bit older. And so that's another thing. It really gave me uh, something to think about was video games as uh, a learning tool and maybe not in the educational edutainment sense, but just by being exposed to games that had proper English was uh, just a perspective I hadn't really thought about. So I was really excited to get that feedback. Another type of feedback I got was entries for King of the Castle. As several of you guessed on Maniac Mansion, the King of the Castle song was Time Warp from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Obviously, both of those uh, games and movies taking place in strange houses uh, with uh, outer space connection. So it was pretty liberal, the connection between those two. But congratulations to Paul Marfleet, Mitsuyama, Dankreek, Aardvark, Steve Sharippa, Scooter Prime, Bill Spear, Dutch Boy, and Daniel Jaleppa. Congratulations to all you guys. We had a pretty fun party in the back room. We did the time warp. And then we did some drinking. <laughs> so hope everybody had a good time in the VIP room. Of course, if you would like a special personal invitation 
to the Sprite Castle's VIP room. All you have to do is listen for the 8-bit song played towards the end of the episode. If you recognize that song and the connection it has to this episode's game, all you have to do is send that to me in an email to robohara at robohara.com and put King of the Castle in the title so that Gmail does not slip that away into my spam filter and you will get a personal invitation to the VIP room and be that episode's King of the ca- uh, King of the Castle. So congratulations to everyone uh, who properly guessed Time Warp from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Actually, I was expecting many more positive guesses for that episode because I thought that was a really obvious one. But congrats uh, again to everyone who picked up on that connection. On to Commodore news. There is yet another Flash firmware update for the Kung Fu Flash cartridge. This is firmware 1.4. There are some new features, including better search text editor. You can also now use the joystick and menus, which is nice. So if you have one of those Kung Fu Flash cartridges, you might want to go out there. And actually, I would check all the time because I think this is the third episode in a row where I've reported there are firmware updates. So you might want to keep an eye uh, out for those. Lots of new games released uh, over the past several weeks. One includes Ball and Chain. This was a fun little game that I played. Uh, you control uh, one ball, which is connected to another one with a chain, and it is a side-scrolling game. Uh, lots of fun. So Ball and Chain, you could look for that one. There's also Minor 2019-er. I don't know how to say that. 2019-er, I guess. It is a prequel to Minor 2049-er, which is a game that lots of Retro gamers are familiar with. I played uh, Minor 2019er a little bit. Uh, very fun. All new levels. Uh, you know, if you enjoyed the original, you will enjoy that. There's a new port of Venture, which was released. If you're uh, like those early games, I for some reason, I mostly associate Venture with the ColecoVision, but it was available on other systems. Uh, but a uh, port of the early version was ported to the Commodore 64. So uh, lots of new games out there, new stuff coming out all the time for the Commodore 64. As I always say, there is no better system to be a retro fan of new software coming out still uh, 30, 40 years. Yeah, I guess 40 years now uh, after the system was still uh, was originally released. So you can't beat that. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at robohara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. If you'd like to support my shows, visit my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. All my patrons get access to behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, visit my page. Again, that is patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. And those are this week's headlines, brought to you by my local paperboy who just ran headfirst into the Grim Reaper. I live a life of danger. Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. I tried really hard to come up with a snack that would work for playing this game. I thought about 
foods that they eat in the movie, but there's not really too much that's iconic food related to Top Gun. I thought about foods that I had eaten on airplanes uh, back when I was very young. I remember flying and them serving meals. I don't know that they do that necessarily anymore, but uh, I just was really racking my brain and I kept thinking about what do people eat when they fly. And then it kind of hit me. You have to fly a little bit higher than the planes in Top Gun, but if you fly high enough, one of the snacks you can have is astronaut ice cream. Now, I have obviously never eaten astronaut ice cream while flying, but I have eaten it uh, when I was a kid. We used to go to the local science museum. It used to be called the Omniplex. Now it is the Museum of Science, Oklahoma. Uh, and when we would go there on field trips, this was our local science museum and and of course there were so many fun things to look at there was the uh tesla coil there was the shadow wall there was this tree a sound tree of lights all these really neat things but when we left there was a little gift store and you would always take your money and you could buy little things that had to do with science but one of the things they always had for sale was these little packages of astronaut ice cream which was I guess, freeze-dried or dehydrated ice cream. They always seem to come in Neapolitan. They have chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry in them. Uh, we always looked for. We would always buy those. They taste like cardboard. <laughs> but that is what I got hooked on. Now, I couldn't think of a place locally that sold these. So I went to Amazon and Amazon does have them for sale, but not individual packs. You have to buy like six at a time for 20 something dollars. And I didn't really want to do that, but I did find a link that said they carry it at Hobby Lobby. And I do live right down the street from Hobby Lobby. And so we went down there and sure enough, they had them locally. They're like $5 a package. I'm Sure, I did not spend $5 for one of these as a kid, but I did pick one of those up. It was uh, absolutely terrible. <laughs> it was just as bad as I remembered. It's like uh, a cross between cardboard and styrofoam, maybe like those foam insulation boards. It's like eating one of those that is slightly flavored. But what are you going to do? You got to have a snack while you're playing some games. And so that is the snack that I had. It reminds me of the science museum and it reminds me of flying high. And speaking of flying high top gun was released for the Commodore 64 in 1986 by ocean software limited. It is a game for one or two players that uses joystick controls. Uh, now this game was uh, developed by Ocean Software. They are most well-known for their arcade ports and coin-op conversions. Some of the games they released include Frankie Goes to Hollywood, The NeverEnding Story, The Transformers, Mag Max, Highlander, Knight Rider, the list just goes on and on. Cobra, Rambo, Miami Vice, uh, Mad Balls, they did Yar Kung Fu 2, Contra, Batman, Bad Dudes, Arkanoid, Platoon, Mutants, uh, just a long, long string, again, mostly of arcade uh, and coin-op conversions that they would then port to 8-bit uh, systems. 
and 16-bit systems. Uh, the other games, one of the other games that they released that I've covered on Sprite Castle was Whizball all the way back in episode 37. Great, great game uh, for uh, lots of retro systems, but the Commodore 64 version is absolutely fantastic. Uh, this game, the version that I found was published by Thunder Mountain. Now, Thunder Mountain may not be a familiar company to many of you, but it was owned by Mindscape, and it was Mindscape's budget label. So the copy of Top Gun that I own, the original, came in a very small, thin cardboard package. The manual, the disc were slid inside there, so it wasn't a actual uh, like thick box, software box that you would see sitting on shelves. It was just a, a small, thin. Now, I don't know if it was originally published by Ocean and then re-released by Thunder Mountain as a budget label or if it was originally released only by Thunder Mountain on the Commodore 64. But the version that I own uh, is a Thunder Mountain label. Top Gun is a first-person dogfighting game in which two F-14 Tomcats battle to the death. Players can take on the computer or go head-to-head in this game loosely based on the movie of the same name. Now, if you are not old like me, you may not remember what a huge event the original Top Gun was. Top Gun was a huge blockbuster movie released in 1986. It starred Tom Cruise as Maverick and Val Kilmer as the Iceman, Anthony Edwards as Goose. This was a big change uh, for all these actors. This was a huge uh, release. You know, Val Kilmer had been known for basically real genius up until this point. Tom Cruise uh, was the kid from Risky Business. Uh, Anthony Edwards was from Revenge of the Nerds. So this was a very iconic. Uh, it changed the uh, you know the the public perception of a lot of these actors. Tim Robbins was in it as Merlin, and of course the very beautiful Kelly McGillis as Charlie, the love interest. Now, there are two versions of this game. Top Gun was released in the arcade, and that version was ported over to the Nintendo Entertainment System. But that is not this version. This is a different game, which was ported to many other computers, but not the Nintendo. So the arcade and the NES version, if you're familiar with those, is different from this game. We're looking at the box. On the front of the box, you have the Top Gun logo, and then there are three jets flying up in front of the sun, which is a great visual. You also have the picture of Tom Cruise with Kelly McGillis, so you know this is an a uh, or that this is an officially licensed title. And of course, you have the Ocean logo. On the back, it says, "Have you got what it takes to be a Top Gun?" Top Gun puts you in the fighter pilot seat of an F-14 Tomcat. 3D vector graphics and split-screen display allow one or two players to combat head-to-head or against the computer. Your armaments in this nerve-tingling aerial duel are heat-seeking missiles and 20-millimeter rapid-fire cannons. Many skills have to be brought into play, such as reflexes, maneuvering ability, and accuracy to become the best of the best. 
Then we have several screenshots of the game. There are not one, but two different Top Gun logos. And then the bottom of the box says, Top Gun Mavericks enter the danger zone. <laughs> so we have a double callback to uh, Danger Zone from Kenny Loggins, which was uh, a hit song at the time and heavily featured in the movie as well. It's also uh, on the soundtrack. So... Let's get into the game. Uh, when the game boots up, we have a, uh, a title screen. We have this loading screen of an F-14 uh, Tomcat plane. It is done like in a wire drawing, and there are labels that are pointing out different parts of the plane. We have the Top Gun logo and the Ocean logo on that screen. Uh, that quickly transitions to the menu screen, which again, we have the Top Gun logo. Uh, we have an option to determine how many lives player one has and player two. And we can also choose if we are playing one or two players. The game is the same. Uh, the difference is player two is either controlled by another human being or by uh, the computer itself. The computer itself is very good at this game. So get ready for that. When we move into the game screen, we are presented with a split screen, uh, which is split left and right. So player one, uh, who uses joystick in port one, is on the left. Player two, if there is a second player, would be on the right uh, using a joystick in port two. Or, again, if you're just playing one player, then player two would be controlled by the computer. Uh, each side of the screen is divided top to bottom as well. The top... Two-thirds, three-fourths has a wireframe drawing of the horizon and the other plane are basically the only things that you see uh, in that. Uh, you also have a uh, uh, your little aiming sights that show up depending on which weapon you are using. Uh, there's an altimeter that shows the altitude. Uh, at the top, you can fly really high. You can fly pretty low. You can't actually crash, uh, but... You know, you might start at 8,000 or 10,000 feet, but you could fly up to, I don't know how high what the limit is, but I've flown to uh, 40 or 50,000 feet. And to find the other player, you're going to have to be at the <laughs> the same altitude. So you could look at uh, your opponent's side and, and see where they're at to fly up or down to try to find them. Uh, at the bottom section of the screen, you have uh, your level. Uh, you have your speed. There's a radar that shows where your opponent is, and then you have your weapons, uh, which weapon you are currently selecting. Uh, the controls are pretty simple. You use a joystick to fly around. The button fires. Uh, the joystick up, down, left, right obviously moves your plane you know, higher or lower, and left or right turns left or right. Uh, the Q button for player one selects your weapons. So you have three weapons. You have a machine gun, you have missiles, and then you have flares. And so by pressing the Q button, you toggle in between those three weapons. Uh, the machine guns are good if you have... Uh, if you're in close combat and you're following your opponent, you can uh, shoot them with the machine guns. If they're a little bit further away, you could try to fire a missile and hit them. And then, of course, the flares can be used to throw your enemy's missile uh, off the track. So that's uh, really your only defense other than your sweet flying ability. Uh, there is no score in the game. The only goal is to shoot down your opponent, and the game is over 
after three attempts. So it is a best two out of three attempts. This episode may seem a little short because there's not a whole lot to say about this game. That is, in fact, the entire game. It is a dogfighting game where you and a person or the computer fly around vector-drawn airplanes and shoot at one another. Again, best two out of three, uh, and then the game ends. There is no score. Reviews early on were higher than later reviews. I think if you put this game into the context of when it was released, which was 1986, so the mid-1980s, flying three-dimensionally represented planes drawn by uh, wires was really impressive. Simulating vector graphics on a Commodore 64 was really impressive. Commodore Force gave the game 70%. Uh, Zap gave the game originally 61%, and when they revisited it a couple of years later, they gave it 70%. So those aren't terrible scores, but the game currently on Lemon 64 has a rating of 3.7 out of 10. So public opinion has not favored this game. It has not aged well. There are a lot of reasons for that, but the main one, well, let's talk about some of the reasons why this game has not aged well. Number one, uh, the graphics themselves are not good at the time. Again, just having vector graphics made something seem futuristic and three-dimensional, but they're not what we expect today from graphics. And more importantly, there is no color. So there's no color to the ground. There's no color to the sky. It's literally a black screen with green line drawings representing everything. Number two, the frame rate of this game not good. I would say the frame rate is maybe two frames a second, uh, maybe three frames a second at best. So it's very choppy, especially when you're trying to line up a shot with your enemy. And by the time you're firing, you realize they've moved, they've gone up or down. So uh, that part of, of the gameplay is very frustrating. And then on top of that, the gameplay itself is very shallow. It is, um, if you think about games like Karate Champ, uh, or I, I covered Bounces, which is a great classic game uh, that not many people are familiar with, but these are games that you would fire up and are most fun when you're playing against another person. So they are essentially, think of Barbarian, think of, uh, again, any karate fighting game. Uh, these are games where it's a human being versus a human being, uh, and uh, you each have the same weapons or attacks and defenses at your disposal. So it becomes a matter of uh, part of it is mental, who outthinks the other person, but also who's better at the controls. Well, Top Gun doesn't really reward those those things. Uh, and because it's very difficult to control, so even if you... there There is no mental part of chasing your opponent. You know as long as you're at the right altitude and look at the radar, you can exactly see where they're at. So there's, there's no advanced uh, 
techniques involved in this game. There's no hiding. There's no, um, you know, tactical maneuvers, anything like that. When I think of arcade-style flying games, I think of, like, Afterburner, where when missiles are coming in from behind, you can alter your speed and you can do a barrel roll and dive or climb and avoid those missiles. But this game isn't, the engine isn't quite advanced enough to do those things. So that part of it isn't very good. It has basically been boiled down to a very, very simple person-versus-person fighting game but there's not enough there to hold most people's interest it's fun to play for five minutes maybe but after that it would get pretty old uh in addition if you're playing the one player mode against the computer it's almost impossible to beat uh there are different skill levels for the computer but even on the easy level it's very very hard to beat so playing against the computer in one-player mode is just not very fun. Now, this game was ported to lots of systems. Like I said, this is not the arcade version, which has more to the game. And, and the arcade version was ported to the NES. But again, those are different than this version. This version appeared uh, along with the Commodore 64 on the Amstrad, CPC, the Atari ST, DOS, and the ZX Spectrum. Now, you would think if there were a game that wasn't very good that that could possibly end the game's franchise. I can't think of another movie-related game that has more games <laughs> for more systems than Top Gun. If you look through Moby Games, there are so many Top Gun games, and, and these are all before the most recent Top Gun movie was released. So there's only one Top Gun movie in 1986 up until 2022. So all these games that were released for different systems are piggybacked on the success of the original Top Gun movie. There is Top Gun Danger Zone, which was released uh, in 1991 for DOS. There's Top Gun Guts and Glory for the Game Boy, which was released in 1993. Top Gun Fire at Will is another DOS game from 1996. There's Top Gun Firestorm, which was released for the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy Advance in 2021 and, or sorry, 2001 and 2002. Uh, there's another Top Gun game released for the Nintendo DS in 2006. In 2007, it appeared on the PlayStation 2. Uh, there were Top Gun games released for iOS in 2009 and 2010. Top Gun games released for the PlayStation 3 and Windows in 2010. Uh, the most recent Top Gun game I saw on Moby Games was called Air Gunfighter, a.k.a. Top Gun Air Combat, which was released for the PS4 in 2022 this year. So it is amazing how many Top Gun games there are out there for, I, I mean, maybe not all the 8-bit systems, but by the time you get to 16-bit systems, I'm sure every system out there has at least one Top Gun game released for it. So uh, it was a huge franchise for lots of games. Unfortunately, with this one, it gets off to a rocky start. 
There are lots of games that go for a lot of money on eBay because they are collectible or iconic, and Top Gun is not one of them. I found a disc-only copy for $8 on eBay, and I found complete copies for about $15. So if you are a huge Top Gun fan, you can own this relatively inexpensively. And now let's get into my personal memories of playing Top Gun. As many listeners know, my partner with the Commodore 64 growing up was Jeff. And Jeff and I played games all the time. He had a Commodore 64 and I had a Commodore 64. I would download dozens and dozens of games. And when we got together on the weekend, uh, we would get together and play through these games and figure out how to play them and see which ones were good. Uh, and, and I just have such great memories of that. Now, Jeff has something he has an internal flaw there's something that he cannot do in video games and that is jump and specifically he cannot measure the distance required to make successful jumps in games so any game that requires jumping jeff is not very good at he was not good at uh, super mario brothers he was not good at, I, I remember us playing Double Dragon, and he would do great in Double Dragon until you get to the part where there's a missing section of a bridge, and he would lose all of his men trying to jump over the bridge and just landing repeatedly in the river below. I remember we had, uh, I think it was Jedi power battles maybe for the PlayStation and uh, he was great at playing that and then there's a part you had to jump and he just couldn't do it. So Jeff is not good at jumping in video games and so when the two of us would get together and play games, if jumping was involved, he would do terrible. Then one day I got a copy of Top Gun and I had played it. I played against the computer. I got to the point where I could occasionally beat the computer and when the two of us got together and played Top Gun, uh, he slaughtered me. <laughs> There's something about his mind that understands that 3D space that the game is trying to represent. And I could only last for a few seconds before he would flip his plane around, track me down, and fire a missile right into my backside, blowing my Tomcat into smithereens over and over and over. And so it kind of became a running joke for us as kids. I would say, hey, let's play Karate Champ, and I would win, let's say, two out of three times. Or let's play this fighting game, and I would win. And then he would get this devilish look on his face and say, let's play Top Gun. <laughs> and when we played Top Gun, I knew what was going to happen every single time uh, he would destroy me. So that was, uh, that's my biggest memory. And that has become a running joke that we have carried into our adulthood. Uh, we both remember playing Top Gun and just how good he was at the game and how bad I was. So no matter what other games I was good at, uh, at the end of the day, he would suggest we play Top Gun and then he would always slaughter me. 
For graphics, I give Top Gun 2 out of 5 missiles. They just haven't aged well, and the frame rate really makes it difficult to play. Uh, For music, I also give it 2 out of 5. You have music at the beginning, but there's no music during the actual game. Uh, The same for the sound effects. I also went with 2 out of 5. There's just not enough here, and what's here is not very good. So overall gameplay, I'll give Top Gun 3 out of 5. Uh, It will give you some limited fun, especially if you have a friend to play against in head-to-head mode. It's kind of fun, but it certainly won't give you the need for speed. Thanks again for tuning into Sprite Castle. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at robohara at robohara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. All patrons of my shows get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the RSS feed at podcast.robohara.com. It's also available through the official Amigos podcast feed at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. To hear more shows from me, like You Don't Know Flack, Like a Doss, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness, visit podcast.robohara.com for links and information about these shows. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore News, Indie Retro News, Vintage is the New Old, and Commodore Scene Database. Uh, I also get lots of information from Lemon64 and Moby Games. Check them out. Thanks again for listening. Now get back to being my wingman, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle. And finally, this podcast would not be possible without the support of listeners like these. Thanks to my 8-bit supporters, Alan Hennessy, Alan Hudgens, Armadon Restel, Brian Barr, Chris Folds, C-Dubs, Cowbird Boy, Dan Paradroid Heavey, Daniel Jaleppa, Dave Velociraptor, Dave Zilly, David Hearn, David Modelak, Eric Strainisi, Extent of the Jam, Gabe DeGenero, Garrett Allier, Gary Heather, Hacker Radio, Jake Nonamaker, Jason Warns, John Motocar Schaller, John Treholt, Jose Cazada, Joshua Eckroth, Mark Alley, Matthew Perron, Mike McLaughlin, Mitsuyama, Mr. Bundy, Nathan Dagenhart, Olaf Hope, Patrick Markey, Paul Morano, Petzl, KZ9 Zap, Rad Max, Rhinar and Christopher Bow, Retro Trace, Robbie Ray, Robot Doctor 82, Scooter Prime, Scott Lambert, Scott Meredith, Scrap Arcade, Stephen Burt, Steve Rasmussen, The Slow Norris, Travis Gossie, Zeke Pabsky, Zerfall, and the mysterious Cobra Kai. Extra special thanks to my 16-bit supporters. Bill Spear, Boatshead Tavern BBS, Dan Creek, Drone Doctor, Edward Smith, Graham W. Vebke, Joe Sharippa, John Morrison, Matt Nicholson, Matt Smith, Michael Ryan, Paul Nermix Nermanen, Rick Reynolds, Scott Van Dracen, Steve Sharippa, Vintage Volts, and Mr. Waggy.